Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that could lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. This morning, my guest, Warren Brining. He's the founder and director of Athletes Helping Athletes, which is a program of mentorship on Long Island. Today, we want to focus on how he deals with sportsmanship issues in the light of what's going on with the Houston Astros. So whether you're about to hit the road for an early run, preparing for sunrise service, or just relaxing on a Sunday, thanks for joining us. And make sure you have a pencil or pen and paper to jot down a few notes or phone numbers. We'll begin this edition of New York Sports and Beyond after this timeout on 987. ESPN. Before we chat with our guest, Warren Brining, we have a public service announcement from us here on 98.7 ESPN. You know, there are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. You can wash your hands. Please avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you're sick. Cover your cough or sneeze and clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message is brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and 98.7 ESPN New York. My guest is Warren Brining. He's the founder and director of Athletes Helping Athletes, which is a mentorship program where high school student athletes are trained and they take over classes of elementary school students in three different topics. Warren will join us now and explain the program and talk a little bit about the adjustments he's had to make because of the situation with cheating when we get to the sportsmanship part of the program. Hey, Warren, good morning. Let's welcome back and say good morning to Mr. Warren Brining. Hey, Warren, how are you? Very well, Larry. Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes on this early Sunday morning and taking off from your golf game. You don't want to see my golf game. <laughs> <laughs> Warren, let's, for those who missed our last broadcast when we chatted, let's talk a little bit about athletes help, helping athletes, how it got started, what was the whole impetus behind it, and just fill us in. Sure. You know, actually, uh, it got started with uh, uh, an organization called the Phil Esposito Foundation over 35 years ago. We created a series of programs uh to incorporate the retired National Hockey League players into community-based programs. We started to develop training programs and uh, write grants, and uh, uh, eventually we became uh, our own incorporated uh, program, uh, Athletes Helping Athletes. And we went on and uh, had the support over the years of, uh, of the, initially the New York Islanders and the New York Mets uh, as a part of their community outreach programs. And... Uh, and now we're uh, we've been housed at Malloy College on Long Island for the past uh, past uh, 15, seventeen years, I should say. But uh, and we work with uh, over thirty high schools on Long Island, working with our high school student athletes to uh, to train them to uh, go out and uh, engage younger kids in the community about issues that relate to sport, but really more using sport as a metaphor to talk about uh, more life type issues with the kids. As, uh, as you know, Larry, sport is a uh, terrific metaphor to talk about uh, the challenges of everyday life. So. And you recruit high school student athletes? Yes. Uh, the, each school district uh, athletic department recruits them to be a part of this leadership program. Uh, they have to have be in good standing academically. Um, they have to be able to walk the walk when they talk about things about sportsmanship and civility. Um, they have to be able to walk the walk in terms of uh, being able to talk to young people about issues with drugs, alcohol, tobacco, vaping. Um, so uh, it's quite an honor to be a part of the program. Uh, they're all great kids. 
and uh, they're uh, they're really given a tremendous uh, responsibility to go down into usually fifth grade classes and uh, pre- prepare them for uh, middle school um, and encourage encourage positive activity like sport, not only sport but like sport, um, and to uh, process issues that are going to be challenging to them in middle school and high school. Now, Warren, let's go back a little bit and take me through the process of identifying that um, high school student-athletes would work with uh, elementary school students as opposed to some of the trainers that you have going in and talking to them directly. Yes. Uh, well, the high school, you know, uh, as you know very well, we have a, we have a training staff, uh, really a combination of helping professionals and also former uh, athletes, um, and um, uh, uh, people from uh, uh, sport media, uh, like yourself, who um, uh, really uh, help train our high school students in uh, public speaking, um, in problem-solving methodology, how to process uh, scenarios with young people, um, and, to, and to process issues uh, around that really are reflective of sport, uh, like sportsmanship and civility. Um, so they, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice tiered program where we have some very accomplished uh, athletes uh, who are also very adept at, uh, at connecting and working with young people, and we also have some retired teachers and social workers that work with us as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the fascinating part of this is to, you know, make sure that you have folks in there who understand what they need to do because the spotlight is on them. When they leave, you know, everybody watches what they do, especially in this day and age. Exactly. Um, you have to be able to walk the walk. Um, you have to uh, be very transparent. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly don't want to re- re- recruit the kids who are going to be uh, um, you know, uh, not, uh, the, the, you know, we don't want the kids who are going to be hosting uh, keg parties uh, on Friday night and then have them go talk to young people about making good choices. So we're looking for kids who, who really are uh, kids who have decided to make some you know, very special um, commitment to uh, the healthy and, and positive lifestyles. There's no question about that. So let me ask you this now. Um, the tra- Take me through what that training is like just so the audience gets an idea. Obviously, I know. But take us through that so the audience gets an idea of how the, the, the folks work with, uh, your staff works with the young kids to then work with the elementary school kids. Well, you know, typically where our high school students work in pairs and they adopt a fifth grade class. And they, uh, and they go down three different times. The first time they're going to go down and establish a rapport with the class, uh, talk about their athletic experience, develop a theme about how sports has, has uh, impacted them as a person, and do some ice-breaking activities with them. And, uh, again, the strength of the program has given them an opportunity to develop a rapport. The second time they go down, they're going to talk about sportsmanship and civility and uh as you know, that's always topical. Even more, it seems to get more topical every year. Um, and our, our student athletes will uh, go down and process scenarios about sport, um, and then we'll have, we'll have an, an, a, another scenario that, which is a, an analogy of how sportsmanship affects your everyday life. And um, so they're, they're, they're really, uh, it's a considerable challenge. And uh, when they go down for the third time. They're going to be talking about drugs, alcohol, tobacco, uh, as in vaping these days. They'll talk about the important decisions that uh, that they had to make uh, 
um, and to pro- and again process scenarios about how do you uh, how do you negotiate life in high school in relation to these things, uh, and, uh, and how do you uh, and how do you develop realistic refusal skills when you don't want to participate in uh, in activities around drugs and alcohol. So it's a considerable challenge for the high school kids, um, and they. Uh, they do a, they do a miraculous job as you know. Um, they're, they're given a tremendous responsibility, but one thing we've known all along: they have the ability to connect with the kids more than adults. The, the younger kids listen to them. They, they, they are at where you know, they are at where those kids want to be. So um, you know they uh, they have far more impact in processing these issues than than we adults who often aren't as. Uh, um, as uh, transparent and honest as, uh, in terms of these things as, as uh, these students are. There's no question about it. And the other thing is just from first-hand experience, Warren, which is so gratifying, is by the end of the year, you see that the kids in the elementary school have really kind of adopted uh, these high school student-athletes and will share with them sometimes things that, you know, ultimately shocks the student athlete because it's like, you know, it's not that long that I was in elementary school. They're going through what? So, you know, that mm-hmm. openness and the transparency on both ends is really what what's sure. fascinating and, and, and enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I mean the uh, the, the, the kids uh, sometimes will uh, really connect uh, to the point where they will be sharing some challenging information with the high school kids. And uh, we, as you know, we train them to to negotiate that um, because uh, it's 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 it can be a difficult situation. You know, we we train our high school kids, especially on drugs and alcohol, to realize that uh, experts tell us that every classroom they're going to go into, between 25 and 40 percent of those students' lives are being impacted by substance abuse. That's how pervasive this issue is. So uh, our kids have to be aware that uh, if they really touch a chord with uh, with these students, that they have to know how to uh, handle it, be empathetic, but also realize they're not trained professionals. So that they, uh, you know, really are trained to uh, try to help establish a connection with the teacher and or social workers in the, in the schools. Warren Brining is my guest. He's the founder and director of Athletes Helping Athletes on Long Island. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. How did Athletes Helping Athletes handle the Astros cheating scandal? Hmm. It's fascinating. We'll find out next on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's continue our discussion with Warren Brining, founder and director of the Athletes Helping Athletes program. So, Warren, one of the main reasons I had you on is I was just curious because, as you mentioned, uh, one of your main topics of the year that's right in the middle, and it's 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 a pivotal topic. You know, you you go from you know kind of fun and games to a serious topic, and then ultimately to the most important topic that we discuss with the with the high schools and elementary school students, as you alluded to earlier, in drugs, alcohol, tobacco, and vaping, and that's sportsmanship. So I was just curious, how did you have to adjust the curriculum? After the Astros cheating scandal where they were banging on garbage cans and using Apple phones and, you know, just the idea of poor sportsmanship at the, at, at the, at the highest level. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect example. You know, we, you know, we often refer to these type of situations as teachable moments. And this certainly is one. I mean, there's certainly, uh, uh, you know, no gray area about uh, what the Houston Astros did. And uh, 
while many people say, you know, these uh, over the years, stealing signs has been uh, a part of uh, baseball, um, the, to this level with the tech, uh, using technology as they did, uh, to cheat is uh, is really uh, really a, a teachable moment, and, and it helps our students to uh, be able to talk about something that's relevant in the news right now, uh, and to get the feedback from the students and to try to process so that everybody does understand that uh, winning isn't at all cost. And uh, you know we have a youth sport culture that's uh, there's a lot of concern about that these days. Uh, we have overinvestment of parents. Um, and, uh, and uh, drop-off rates uh, considerably in the, uh, around 12, 13, where young people are not having a healthy experience because of the overinvestment and the uh, highly competitive nature of youth sports. So, uh, you know, getting back to what sports should be all about, uh, being part of a team, teammates, and and uh, and having, uh, like with the Houston Astros, uh, be able to say, do it right, and they didn't do it right. And the most important part is maybe amongst the major leaguers, they weren't happy with the penalty, but there was a penalty for that. And that's one of the main teachable moments that you talk about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a sort of a double bind because, uh, in baseball, the players association is so strong that, uh, players uh, really, you know, that uh, Major League Baseball had little recourse in punishing the players because it wasn't part of the collective bargain agreement. Um, but they, but you could see it really uh, really bothered other players who uh, felt cheated and felt like they did it the right way. And, uh, and they certainly were pretty vocal about it and understandably so. Is there, in your opinion, Warren, is there a difference because at the elementary school, high school level, college level, and then the pro level, we're looking at the pro level, and those guys are getting paid. And is there, in your opinion, a different form of sportsmanship? Not to the, not obviously, not saying that it's okay that they cheated as as professionals. Clearly not. But do we understand that there's a different level of sportsmanship where you really preach it and you really follow it? Elementary school, high school, college, and then maybe as the pros because it's so money oriented it's about branding it's about you know all the other stuff that self-promotion and you know for a lot of teams and individuals that we kind of ex- don't expect sportsmanship as pros yeah <clears throat> when you think of what's at stake and uh and what's at stake is, is part of the corrupting part force of the youth sports as well when people uh, uh have set priorities like a scholarship for an 11 or 12 year old um, that there's a scholarship at the end of their sport experience um, so there's a perceived you know at every level there's some perception that uh, there's there's a, there's a pot of gold at the end of it um, but uh, at, at the professional level uh, you know obviously it's highly competitive what's at stake is even greater um, but it, but you also find that uh, there's a, uh, there's a tremendous amount of mutual respect. They're more mature uh, athletes um, than you know. Obviously, people you know, in, in middle school and high school uh, who are still formulating their their roles. So, um, and uh, you know, professional athletes, uh, you know, often uh, have the more ethics than than we give them credit for. Um, they, uh, uh, I found that in working with many of them that uh, they, they take a lot of pride in, in, in doing things right, even though they're uh, they're in a highly competitive environment. 
Yeah, that's very true. It, it, it is. I think it's unfortunate that the ones who don't do the right thing always seem to get the most publicity, right? The ones who follow the path is something we expect, so we don't feel the need to share their story. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. And uh, the negative gets the most attention. Um, but when you uh, when you take a real examination uh, of professional athletes uh, in almost any sport, you're going to see uh, some some pretty solid people who uh, give a lot back to their communities and uh, and also take pride in doing uh, in, in being a uh, uh, you know an athlete who does it the right way. Want to talk to our audience about students who are doing the right thing in sport, with the doing the right thing in the classroom, out of the classroom, sportsmanship priorities, and how they seem to be rewarded with you know maybe if they're on the fence with another student athlete about getting a scholarship, how because of how they carry themselves on and off the field, they sometimes get the get the nod over you know a person that may that may have more talent but may be questionable whether you can keep them eligible at the next level. Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, as, as you know, uh, at the high school, uh, even the high school level, but more so at the college level, uh, your your level of community service, what you've done to give back as an athlete is, is, is very important. And um, one of the things that uh, this program gives our high school student-athletes an opportunity to do is be a part of the solution. And that's, we as educators, that's the biggest thing we can we can really do to help encourage young people to do the right thing. And when, they're, when they are part of the solution and they're part of a program like this, uh, they often take a lot of pride in it. And uh, we've seen that with some uh, essays that we've just read recently uh, about athletes who... Uh, uh, we're applying for our, uh, this Tim Bassett Award that we've established with our program. And uh, they talked about how the program has impacted them and, and encouraged them um, to really make sure that they uh, they do things uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a proper fashion. It's, it's, and, and, and even that as well, they've so many of them uh, have, thought, from their experience, decided to go into uh, helping professions like teaching and social work. So that's been kind of gratifying. Speak to the pressures. Speak to parents on the pressures of, listen, uh, really need that scholarship going. We really need that. You know, scholarships, the tuition is like a, a mortgage. <laughs> we really need you to, to press forward. And, and the, the, the thin line between encouragement and pressure. Yeah, oh, you're right. Uh, it's, uh, it, it has gone over the line. Uh, so many educators, uh, we, we've done a lot of work with physical education departments, especially one at Delphi University, and they, uh, there's tremendous concern uh, about uh, youth sport culture and uh, putting too much emphasis on, um, on making athletes a single, single sport athlete, uh, uh-huh. having them play the same sport year-round, which has some health ramifications to it as well. Um, and it's uh, if, if any if all of us who have been sports parents uh, can recognize this that there's, a, there's that part where it's always a little overzealous parents that are just push 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 and uh, and and the youth sport culture has sort of responded to that they, they've created uh, tournaments where um, you know the, uh, my son was playing high, uh, ice hockey and they'd be playing 
tournaments that you have to, we lived on Long Island have to be at Lake Placid Thursday night uh, to start a weekend tournament. Uh, it would be encouraging kids to miss two days of school, which is not should not be a priority of, of youth sports. And uh, <laughs> it's become a big money-making factor that's really kind of uh, helped increase the concerns with youth sports, the youth sport culture. You know, and, and it's come up again in this situation with uh, the coronavirus now. You're looking at the, the battle and discussion between whether, you know, we should have March Madness going on, whether the college athletes are, are should play, should should they not play, should we, you know, close the building. And so, you know, even in this scenario, we're having those discussions. Yeah, yeah, this is this, this just uh, this past week has been, you know, the it took a case of one of the athletes getting uh, getting the virus to to shut one league down and the other leagues followed. Um, but uh, and you know when you think about the, the tens of millions of hundreds of millions of dollars at stake, uh, that was uh, it was a difficult challenge for the uh, the leagues to do it. But uh, it really got to a point where you really had to say, um, you know, what's the priority here? People's health or or, or the money? So it's it's a challenge all the way around in sport these days. Warren Bryaning, founder and director of Athletes Helping Athletes, my guest. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. When we return, we've spoken about teaching kids. Well, adults need guidance, too. We'll explain on this edition of New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. Before we continue our discussion with Warren Brining, founder and director of Athletes Helping Athletes, here's a public service announcement. There are everyday actions you can do to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover or cough. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message is brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and 98.7 ESPN New York. Now, let's conclude our conversation with Warren Browning of Athletes Helping Athletes. Warren, we've spoken a lot about the kids right now. Let's talk about the adults because you also uh, have a program that works with coaches and make sure that coaches understand their role in you know, in various sports, making sure that they preach sportsmanship, they preach doing things the right way, they preach fundamentals in preparing uh, our kids who we turn over to them with confidence that they're going to help us, you know, prepare them for the sport that they love. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we, we really do, do a disservice in many ways to the uh, uh, youth sport coaches because in so many cases we just – you know, you throw them out there and they <laughs> run the team. And uh, and if they, if they even if they have some competence at the sport, they may not understand the, uh, the developmental limitations of, of young athletes. Um, so many of us have had a have had a, uh, a model in our mind of a, of a coach as a drill sergeant. And uh, obviously, uh, with young people, you have to be a lot more understanding and caring, and understand their limitations. Um, and really have their development as an athlete and as a person at, 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 at the heart of the whole experience. Uh, winning and losing should have no effect at, at the youth sport level. Uh, unfortunately, uh, when we get into tournaments and, and all those type of things, uh, that can get obscured at times. But uh, we've, we've, we've done a lot of work in trying to help uh, provide some at least basic understanding and training to, to the youth sport coaches. 
so that they uh, they they have an understanding of, uh, of what their role should be. Um, and and we've been fortunate. We've had some pretty uh, unique uh, coaches come down and help us do that. You know, very successful coaches. Uh, Dan Bilesma, who was a hockey coach uh, and still a assistant coach in Detroit right now, won a Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh. When he was here, with the, when he was on Long Island with the Islanders, uh, he did some youth sport coaches clinics with us, and uh, he was uh, he, he was really wonderful to talk about um, the role of a coach. And he he even talked at that time that he said that he was coaching a, uh, a hockey player who had a ninety million dollar contract uh, and had lost confidence. And his role at that time was to help this player build confidence up. So even at the professional sports level, um, you know, you, you need to be, uh, you really have to think of the person uh, first, that they're not robots. And uh, it's even more so, uh, obviously, with, with young people. Yeah, definitely. What, what <laughs> I just, you know, I can't imagine what some of the experiences you've had with coaches who come in with one attitude where it's about winning. Look, I saw the, I, I've got Bill Parcells blitzing package when he was with the Giants. This is what we're going to run, um, you know, because of that urge of winning. And, you know, once again, it's, it, it's, a, it's a thin line, Warren, because we have folks who come forth from the, the new age of where well, you give participation trophies as opposed to, okay, you, 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 you don't just do that. You need to strive to win, that you learn to win, and winning on the field helps you learn how to win off the field, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, sales, whatever it's doing, that, you know, if, as you mentioned, that sports is a metaphor for real life. And so, you know, it's a thin line there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the concern about the youth sport culture is it grows all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a gentleman out who's actually coaches hockey, and he's a law professor out in Missouri, uh, Abrams. Uh, Abrams D. Um, he uh, he provides a service to all people who have interest in educating themselves on youth sports, of sending out a news service of articles every day. Uh, from, from newspapers across the country about youth sports, and every day there's a uh, there's a series of uh, almost mostly horror stories about coaches and parents, um, and and it gives you the understanding that there's a lot of work to be done yet, so so that we can make sure uh, young people are getting the the right experience out of it. You, you, you know that uh, this is the first generation that's uh, ever has a shorter life expectancy because of um, the uh, obesity epidemic mm-hmm. with in adolescence, and uh, I mean there's a lot of factors of that, obviously, um, with our sedate lifestyles and computer screens and, and uh, those type of things. But uh, having a dropout rate in youth sports at the age of 12, 12.7, is uh, it doesn't help. Wow. So we really, we really have to remodel this, this to, to encourage uh, development at, the, at a number of levels with youth sports. So it's not everybody's a great athlete, but everybody can uh, have a great athletic experience if we take the right perspective. Yeah. Those are fascinating stats. What what do you attribute that to? Is it partly uh, parental pressure? Is it partly pressure from coaching? Is it partly? You know, peer pressure that you know I'm not playing, so I'm not win- I'm not participating. What, what what do you think those are? Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of them right, right there. But it's uh, when uh, 
there's a, the Center for the Study of Youth Sport at Michigan State does great work on this. And they uh, almost every year when they survey this, the kids about uh, why they dropped out, um, the, the whole the theme is always it's, it's not fun. I'm not having fun. It's just not worth it. And uh, that obviously you know leads into the, some of the factors you just mentioned: uh, overinvested parents and coaches um, who uh, you know really need to really, basically really need to back off and to let kids have uh, have some fun. This is what uh, sport is supposed to be about. So, all right, talk to me. I'm the frustrated parent. I've, I've taken my son or daughter to the game. Um, they're not playing. I'm frustrated that the coach is not playing them. And when they do play, they don't get a hit every time up because, or two of the three times up. And I'm frustrated with my child too. So I'm yelling at the coach and embarrassing my child and also yelling at the child in the car on the way home. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm making a very, I'm giving a great encouragement session, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, uh, it's 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 it happens, obviously, um, and and those people when they're hot like that are hard to engage properly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what we've tried to do with uh, with programs for parents and in, in the leagues that I've worked with is uh, we've we've tried to engage them uh, before. We we uh, asked them to come up with three things that we should, should all agree to in terms of our behavior at mm-hmm. games. Uh, in terms of not berating referees, uh, umpires, uh, uh, not yelling at coaches, not berating uh, the athletes, and see if we can get them all to agree to that in, in advance. Um, mm-hmm. And then we ask them to think uh, too about their sport experience. Uh, what what life skills, what life lessons do you get out of your sport experience, and get them to really uh, identify what sport should be about. If, if, if it meant that for them, um, they, you know, it should mean that for their kids too. Uh, so that's that. that is, being proactive is the important thing. It's, but when they, when they, by the time they get to the berating uh, the umpire and uh, coaches, uh, um, they're really tough to deal with. But uh, being proactive and trying to, because most people want to do it right, mm-hmm. they, they lose their, they lose their temper and. Uh, uh, because they want their kids to succeed so badly, um, but they have to understand that uh, um, that, that 's not going to help their kids' development so. no, and sometimes just listen to your child because they will tell you that do you really have to come to the game <laughs> yeah. that 's right <laughs> really you really have to yeah. come can, can you when you come can you do me a favor can you not yell so loud you 're kind of embarrassing me you know and and that 's why it 's good to have that open conversation with them and listen, you can explain to them, you know what? I'm sorry. I lost my head. I'm just so into, I want you to do so well. Not that it excuses you, but it kind of explains, you know, that, uh, Hey, guess what? I'm human too. Exactly. Exactly. And anybody, you know, I don't know how many times, uh, watching, you know, my son play hockey and uh, he gets cross-checked from behind. Yeah. You find he's, 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 you want to yell, you know, um, but that's part of the idea of trying to uh, make, raise some awareness in advance and, 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 and some group awareness so that you catch yourself. Um, because almost everybody's capable of saying something that they're sorry for at some point when they're uh, you know, rooting for their child. But um, that's where uh, you know, we all need to work together as, as sports parents, for sure. And what do you say to the person who says, 
come on, that's a pie in the sky world. Everybody's doing it. I'm yelling. Look, I'm not the only person yelling there, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because I want my kid to be better. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you, you, you try to uh, uh, reason with them, but again, uh, I think that that type of person, you you, you try to use some uh, group uh, dynamics to uh, almost embarrass them into mm. uh, into at least behaving, uh, even if they're not going to buy into it, uh, so that uh, you know they have to agree as a as a group of parents before the before the season starts. To uh, to not do these three things: not berate umpires, not uh, yell at coaches, not yell at kids. And if you do, then uh, the parents have a have a right to really come, uh, remind them that you agreed to this. So it's again, it's uh, it's being proactive, which is probably one of the few ways to really change uh, behavior. But you're right; you're not going to get to everybody. I'm going to go back to the high school list for a second, Warren. I'm talking to Warren Browning, founder and director of, Ameri- of Athletes Helping Athletes here on New York Sports and Beyond. Um, I'm just really curious, when you talk to the high schoolers about sportsmanship and trash-talking and those issues of that nature, you also talked about how you discuss with them situations that are uh, similar off the field of play. Can you give us a, an example of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we have uh, we we have different scenarios. Uh, tr- you know, about what do you do about trash talking? So what do you do about a trash talking teammate? And how do you handle that if it's if it's uh, problematic? If you see it as problematic, and how do you how do you handle a trash talking uh, opponent? And those are, those are similar uh, scenarios that you have in social settings. Um, where somebody's uh, being uh, abusive to uh, to somebody else, and uh, so we we have matching scenarios uh, for um, different situations. One we have uh, uh, the out call. It's called uh, you know in, in in high school tennis, um, and even in badminton, uh, you are the referee. So mm-hmm. there's a bit of an honor code, uh, a la golf. Mm-hmm. You, you're you're going to make the calls, and uh, you really have to, you know, make sure if if you're going to, uh, you know, it's going to be no code if you don't follow the code. Um, well, it's the same if you're in fifth grade and you're uh, you're, you're cutting a line uh, in, in, in the cafeteria, or you're cheating somebody out of uh, something that they have to do with them. So. There's matching scenarios for uh, different sports scenarios. You know, sportsmanship is is really about civility. That's why mm-hmm. we say sportsmanship and civility. It's really about uh, you know, treating your uh, your teammates and your opponents with with some respect. And um, those now those analogies, uh, non sports analogies, are meant to really uh, drive those home. In the closing minutes we have, Warren, I want you to have the opportunity to salute a couple of um, key members of the organization who have moved on, who have passed on. Tim Bassett, obviously, and Bill Stemple. Why don't you say a couple of words about both? Yeah, recently we've had some, uh, some uh, we've lost some wonderful people. Tim Bassett, uh, many of you may remember, was a uh, former ABA and NBA player. Uh, was the first African-American to ever play at University of Georgia. And uh, has been a, was a trainer with athletes, helping athletes for 35 years before he lost his battle with cancer this year. 
an extraordinary uh, person who had a wonderful ability to connect with young people and, and use his uh, fabulous professional uh, collegiate sports experiences to inspire our high school students. Just this week, uh, Robert Stapleman, who uh, was used to be the editor of Gold Magazine for the National Hockey League, has been a board member of AHA, uh, athletes helping athletes for a number of years, and he uh, he, he uh, passed on uh, at the age of 91 and was a tremendous con- contributor to uh, to, uh, to athletes helping athletes in our program. So we're going to miss both of them tremendously. Yeah. Absolutely. So if we want to find out more about the great work you're doing, I know you've got a newly, fabulously redesigned website. <laughs> yes. Uh, thanks to uh, some help from Greg Boris lately, a uh, uh, person who's helped us over the years. Um, it's uh, it's ahaprograms.com. If you go to ahaprograms.com, you'll see uh, it'll be able to really get a better understanding of our program and, and you see a lot of photos of our high school students in action um, and biographical background of, uh, of, of our trainers. So uh, please uh, do check it out, ahaprograms.com. Juan, it's always a pleasure to chat with you and to keep apprised of what's doing with the lo- with the young folks uh, on Long Island and their impact over uh, the future, which are elementary school students. Thanks for a couple of minutes this morning. Great. Thank you for having me, Larry. Take care. That concludes this edition of New York Sports and Beyond. We thank you for listening. We're joining you this evening on the Larry Hardesty Show, also during the week on ESPN New York Tonight, and right back here next Sunday for New York Sports and Beyond. For my producer, Ray Santiago, I'm Larry Hardesty. The conversation continues right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.